You are listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. We typically want every matter of faith in life to have crystal clear answers, but it isn't always that easy. Recorded on the Boggy Bayou of Niceville, Florida, and hosted by James Ross and Justin Wyatt, pastors at Church on Bayshore, this podcast dives into how to help Christians think with a kingdom mentality about topics that sometimes get muddy and bog us down. So let's dive in. Hey, and welcome to Boggy Talk. We're so thankful that you are joining us for week three in this series about orphan care, foster care, and adoption. And Boggy Talk is just a little bit more beautiful this morning as we're recording because we have our wives here, Christy and Christy. Y'all say hey. And James is over there. Hello. I'll let him speak. (laughs) Thank you, sir. (laughs) We are just thankful that they are joining us here uh, to share a little bit about um, our family's story in foster care and adoption. Uh, And it is Thanksgiving week. So uh, hopefully by we're recording this a couple weeks early. So hopefully by now we know who our president is. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. Uh, It's Thanksgiving week. So uh, really quickly, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Everyone needs to know this. Urgent. Cornbread dressing. Cornbread dressing. It's good. I'll stick with mashed potatoes. Mm, yeah. That's good. Christy makes an awesome sweet potato casserole. Yeah. But my favorite is ham. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> but you can like have ham no. anytime. You know. I don't really eat ham. It's uh, no. good. I like mm. ham. Mm. I'm with the cornbread dressing. One year we didn't have that. Because of I don't even know what that, that is. It's it's, it's the what? best cornbread dressing. We're gonna make some for you. We're a stovers or stovetop stovetop family. We're gonna make some for you. All right. Two Thanksgivings ago, we had a Thanksgiving dinner at Jack in the Box. Remember that? We had lunch at Steak and Shake, right? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Jack in the Box. We were on the road, and we tried to go to this, like, awesome Thanksgiving dinner. It was a three-hour wait, and we have four children. We're like, Jack in the Box it is. Make memories. It was terrible. Well, uh, we're going to dive in because we've got a lot to talk about today, and you're going to get to hear some great insight from these incredible women. Uh, And so we're going to start talking about foster care and adoption and really just want you guys to share um, a little bit about why uh, your families, our families got Mm -hmm. involved in this. Are you starting? Go ahead. Um, So when, I mean, when we were engaged, we talked about children and that we would want to add through adoption at some point. We didn't know what that looked like. And um, so we had four children kind of quickly biologically and then we were like well I guess it's time to enter our next phase of life which will be adoption and we wanted to do um we wanted to adopt from India and it was like well if you have four children our government isn't going to look uh kindly on giving you more children because that's a lot and so that door kind of got closed and then um I looked into infant adoption and not that it was a no, but the agency that we were talking with was kind of the same thing. A birth mom is probably going to see you with four kids and not pick you first for little, little ones. And so through this process, I think kind of maybe even through some things um, at a manual and like uh, hearing different avenues of adoption, um, foster care was coming up and it was kind of just like hey, there's kids today that need a place to go. And so we were like, well, we we can probably do that. You know, like I really didn't 
have like a growing up, like an understanding, I guess, of what foster care was. Like I didn't realize how many children um, there are that just need a place to go. And so I just thought they were weird people. It's like this. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that the kids and, <laughs> yeah. and maybe that these were like the scary kids too. Yeah. Like not that um, these were just like normal kids that go to school with our kids, like that they were different and, and now we're in it. And yeah. And I think they'll probably speak to this more, but essentially like kind of from the beginning of dating, we were like, this is in the scriptures. Like this yeah. has got to be part of our life together. Um, when we were dating. And so that's kind of what got us there. Yeah. I'd say same for us. We, um, I was a social worker before we got married. And, um, so it was always kind of in my heart. And when we got married, we, even when we were dating, we talked about eventually let's adopt, let's foster, let's do something. And so we also had three kids quickly and, um, God just really put it on our hearts when our youngest was like three months old that he just said it's time. And so we started the process to adopt from Ethiopia. Took about a year to do that. And then God had other plans, even though that felt like what he was leading us to do. Um, he brought kids locally to us um, that needed a home. And so we just kept saying yes as he led us mm -hmm. along the way. Um, and so we ended up with three kids from <laughs> Florida. Um, <laughs> Which is not Ethiopia. Not Ethiopia. Um, but God brought each one of them individually to us, and um, here we are. Yeah, so um, let's talk about this. So as a foster parent, foster family, adoptive family, um, we tend to, uh, because of family size and maybe because not all of our kids look like us, we stick out in public. And so people who know us or even people who don't know us will say things like, wow, you're so special. I could never do that. And I think especially in foster care, people say, I can never love a child and then send them back or give them give them up. So that's literally how you do yeah. give it back <laughs> to the this motion. I'm like, if you're watching, if you're listening, you can't see I'm motioning with my hands. Yeah. Very dramatic. Yeah. Um, trying to capture the drama of the moment. Um, <laughs> but what would you say to people who say that? You're so special, or I could never do that. Um I thought about this a lot yesterday, and I've thought about this a lot through the years, but I really felt like the Lord was just like, do you have the Holy Spirit? I mean, <laughs> um, there's so many things we can't do, but we have him. We have the Holy Spirit, and we have the promises of God in the Bible. And um, so for us to say I could never do that is just a slap in the face, honestly, to God and what his power is inside of us. Um, it is hard, um, and it is it is a sacrifice, but it is you know, he, if he calls us to do it, then he will equip us. And I think, I just thought of this verse yesterday that I've clung to a lot through the years. Um, and there's lots of and lots of verses that we can cling to when he calls us to do things that are hard. But it's 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that at all times, having all that you need, all that you, need you will abound in every good work. And, um, you know, when we do things that are hard, we have the promise that he will give us what we need That's to right. do the hard thing. And... Um, so don't ever, if you're watching, please just erase that sentence from your vocabulary. Like you can do it if the Lord calls you to do it. Um, that's never going to be a good excuse to um, say no to what he's calling you to do. For as far as it being hard, we, so foster care is a little different, right? Because it's not just like this child, like it's different things you're saying yes to. And so we were kind of praying and talking through like a hard thing to what, if we were going to say yes to the other week. And as I was driving to church, 
Um, the Holy Spirit just reminded me, we used to have this silly phrase when we were younger in ministry, and it was more the guys, but it would be like, Jesus died, bro. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> Jesus gave up everything. I know we say that, and sometimes it seems trivial, but like to the point of his own life. And I'm questioning some days, like, can I give up sleep? Like, can I open my home to a child that might need more, more of me? And like, you, you know, we can't say yes to everything, but but sometimes in my heart, like, why why can't I say yes to that? Um, and then the other part, as far as like giving them back and us being like special for doing this, I would say that being a foster and adoptive family, like, has humbled me more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I am so unworthy to for for the world to give, to let me care for a child. Like I, it, it really has just broken me and to also fully understand that my children are not like mine. Like I, when a foster child comes into my house, it's, I have no control over them. Like I can't control if they're going to be with me tomorrow. I can't control if they're going to be safe. I can't protect them from the world. All I can do is serve them and love them and try to show them Jesus. And so for even my biological children now, it's like, I can't control (laughs) what decisions they're going to make. Like it it just, it really has changed my heart and the way that I see children as gods and ultimately not just my, mine. (laughs) I think it's like we, we, as if you're following Jesus, like you want more of him. Like if you ask any Christian, like, do you want to know more of, of Jesus? And people are like, yeah. And you're like, okay, like, how does that happen? Well, it happens through the word, but it happens through these steps of faith. Mm-hmm. And we, we oftentimes just won't put ourselves in a position where he does mm-hmm. meet our needs abundantly more than all we could ask or imagine. And we're not special. <laughs> we are yeah. not special. It's and you know, and, and, and sometimes I don't even know if we're that faithful because I'm like, it is hard. But at the same time, it's like, he gives the strength we need to do it. So let's talk about this. Um, people oftentimes have a lot of objections or they sit on the fence. You know, they, I think a lot of people feel like, yeah, I should do that. Um, and I think a lot of Christians would say, yeah, that's a good thing. Foster care, adoption, orphan care. But there's never a step forward. Um, a lot of people, you know, say we're going to do that and they don't follow through. So what do you say to people who are on that fence, who thought about it, haven't done anything, or maybe taken a step and then take a step back. What would you say to people on the fence? Go. Yeah. Y'all got a lot, yeah. I'm sure. That's, that's <laughs> a terrible place to live. <laughs> the fence is really uncomfortable. It's really, uncomfortable. It's really um, I mean, it's nowhere to live, and we have one life to live. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're on the fence, get off the fence and get in the game um, and, and do what God's called you to do. You know, we have so many fears when he asks us to take steps of faith, and we have so many reasons. We have a thousand reasons why this isn't going to work. And really, we just, there really is just one good reason, and it's for his glory. Like, just do, just get off the fence and do it. Um, if you're wavering, um, life is short, and I don't want to waste time just trying to decide if I'm going to follow God or not. Um, mm. And I think the... Um, the abundant life is on the other side. Like there's no abundant life in the fence on the, in the middle. Um, the abundant life is where we take that step of faith and where he comes through for us. And we, you know, we forget he is the God of abundance. He provides. And we've seen that over and over and over and over and over. We have 
a hundred stories of how he provides Mm -hmm. for us when we take that step of faith. Um, So I would say if you're on the fence, just take the, take the first step. You know, you don't have to jump into like the deep end all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. but just take a step and just see what God wants to do. Uh, Listen for his voice and let him lead you to, to that step. I mean, he is so faithful. You don't have to be afraid of what he's leading you to because he's with you and he's, he's for you. He um, equips us for everything that he calls us to, and uh, we don't have to be afraid. So stop living on the fence. I mean, think about, think about sitting on a fence like that Mm -hmm. hurts. (laughs) And literally that's how it hurts when you're living in that place of, um, like, I know I should, but I, I don't want to, but I'm scared. Like nobody wants to live there. So just, um, it's better to just go ahead and just take a step. Um, so I would just say, go for it. I was thinking as you were talking about that, I'm like, your kids ever like go to climb a fence and they just like stay on the top. And it's so awkward. Yeah. It's like, just like, please just get over. But I was even thinking like at the end of the day, I'll help them get over, yeah. you know? And it's like, yeah. why are we not asking God? I don't think we want God to really help us mm-hmm. get yeah. on the other mm-hmm. side of the fence as part of it. So I know you yeah. have more on that. Oh, <laughs> do I? Um, <laughs> time he had to pull James off the fence. Yeah, yeah. He was oh yeah. That might have happened. Um, <laughs> I mean, practically speaking, if you know, right, that we're called to take care of of orphans or of children in need, no one's going to give you a kid tomorrow. So you have like a lot of steps that you have to take before you can get there. And so, and for our stories, like following the Lord, I mean, I... I 100% feel like what we were doing at step one, like the application we filled out was what we were supposed to do that day. But like... The child that we adopted was not even. He's not Indian. He is not like the. I mean, but my point, he was not conceived. He was not mm. like a thought. Like, I fully believe that, like, we were serving God faithfully and until our child was, mm. was you know? And so. You got to fill out applications. You got to go to classes. And in the meantime, you need to find yourself a community of foster or adoptive parents and start immersing yourself mm-hmm. in what it means to love that child. Like wh- like Chrissy said, like once you get over that place of uncomfortable, like you have so much to do that your fears will, you'll realize how small they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of times people are on the fence because they have all these questions. They have maybe objections in their mind or like you mentioned earlier, like, a lot of times it's like, I'm not sure what kind of child I'm going to get. And that's literally what people say. Well, I'm just not sure what I get. I'm like, <laughs> well, if you, you don't really think through that when you conceive biologically, right. yeah. like we truthfully don't know. I mean, we, we can kind of predict maybe based on our personalities and, you know, genetics, but we don't know what we're going to get in anything in life. And so it's a really this illusion of control and, you know, like <clears throat> there's going to be needs, but every child has needs. And are we going to you know, really give ourselves like to die to ourselves for the sake that this child would have a family and ultimately have the opportunity to be a part of God's family. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times um, those objections or maybe the dragging of feet or sitting on the fence in my experience and working with families or talking to families, it's a lot of times the husband who's, I'm not so sure about this, um, and I can understand, but I want you ladies to speak to that. So if you are uh, have a husband uh, who is not quite on board or maybe like, I don't know, what would you say 
to those guys. Tell them how great we are. <laughs> right. You need to meet our husband. <laughs> we don't have time. This is a short podcast. <laughs> Pray. You know, if you're the wife, um, don't do this without your husband. There's, That's not going to work. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think the Lord is sovereign over timing of everything. Um Pray, pray your heart out for him that God would be working in his heart, and he will. He's he is working in your husband's heart, even if you can't see it. Um, so much of foster care and adoption is about waiting. I mean, in every stage, in the from the time you fill out the first thing of paperwork to waiting for a child to whatever your story might be, there's so much waiting. Um, it is just a common lesson for adoptive and foster parents, mm-hmm. and so I would say, you know. Maybe God is working in your heart to just start this lesson of like, just waiting on him. Yeah. You know, um, we're not waiting on our husbands, truly. We're waiting on the Lord. And that's, um, that's good. God is God is sovereign. And so I would say just, if this is on your heart, there's a reason it's on your heart. Um, pray, pray, pray. And God, the Holy Spirit will work on your husband um, in, in his perfect timing. So. Yeah. I think sometimes, too, um, the wife has spent hours researching, looking at websites, reading blogs, talking to her friends, like she's compiled all of this information and then just like to her husband, like, (laughs) we're adopting, like, (laughs) um, bring him with you. Like if you, if there was, you know, a story you heard or, you know, a child you saw like at the park and talk to the mom, like share those experiences with him so that he's with you. And then ultimately, I mean, like Christy said, like you do not want to go into this on your own. Um, you want to be a united front because it's hard. Like I know we're saying like all the reasons you should and not to be, but like it is hard. Like there are things that are hard and you want to be a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, back to steps, like maybe again, like explaining to him, they're not bringing us a child tomorrow. Like <laughs> step one is we got to go to these classes. So will you go to these classes with me? Like just slow down like let's let's show how logical and like thought out this process is and yeah I, oh, go ahead i was gonna say to the husbands too i mean yeah um if you're a man leading your family then get in the word and mm-hmm. if this is on your wife's heart mm-hmm. don't just Listen. blindly go into it but also like really take her seriously and pray about it um you are the man of the home and mm-hmm. ultimately your family is your responsibility and if if this is a lack of faith or a lack of surrender, then you really need to get your heart right with the Lord mm-hmm. and um, and really get with him and, and ask him what he's asking of your family. Um, he will be faithful to take care of you if this is what he's calling you to do. So, um, you know, don't make excuses. Just really seek him and see what he has for you. Yeah, I think, too, as a husband, it's like if this is not on my radar, but it's on my wife's radar, I need to listen. <laughs> you know, I think oftentimes, and, you know, I look back at decisions we've made it as a family. I'm like, it was often her, the burden oh, yeah. on her heart first. But if I'm, you know, called to be responsible for my family, like, I've got to listen and, you know, trust. The Holy Spirit's working in her, and she oftentimes has more clarity on things than I yeah. do. So you got to listen, I think, and vice versa. So all these, as we're saying about husbands, this could be true if the husband's the one on board, all these things we just shared, and the wife's the one dragging her feet. And really, too, I would go back, <clears throat> Christy, one of, the, one of the things, Christy Ross, one of the things you said about community and, and being immersed in it, too. If you're single and considering this, you know, go for it. Mm-hmm. But you do need to bring people along with you as well. Mm-hmm. And we've had friends who've gone through this as singles, and, and they would say, we couldn't do it without the community of support. Mm-hmm. So you need to find people who are going to encourage you 
who, who may not understand, they may think you're crazy. And, you know, <laughs> I think we should all think we're all crazy because of the things we're attempting in faith because of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to, you know, find those people and run with them. So last week we talked a little bit about how, hey, this not only affects us as, uh, you know, wait, sorry, we're not married. We're, we're married. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, Justin and I are not married. Last week, Justin and, I, can't see this, so. Justin and I talked about how it affects us, yeah. them, but it also affects our children. Yeah. And I think a lot of families, and I'm going to specifically deal with our context, have things they want for their kids. They want them to be college athletes. They want their kids to be in travel sports. They want their kids to do all these recreational things, academic things, all this stuff. It does affect that. So for you, as moms who love your children, want your children, biological children to flourish, how do you rationalize, you know, bringing in this inconvenience? To be honest, we don't have um, a foster child in our home right now. And so our kids the other day, I'm like, Hey guys, like, do you want to take a break? Like trying to feed into that, right? Like, just want it to be like our family and we'll just like chill. And they're like, no, like <laughs> we want a kid, like we want another kid to come into our home like awesome. tomorrow because the Lord is doing such a work in their hearts, like from a young age. I mean, I fully even believe like as they were toddlers, like seeing other kids come into our home that need um, a place. And like, like I said in the beginning, like when I was a child, like I had no world concept of foster care. And like, I'm so thankful that our children understand that not there are kids, not necessarily that it's wrong, but not just that there are kids in other countries that need home, but there are kids in our community that need someone to love them today for a season. And like that the heartbreak is worth it to them, Mm. um, even as little ones. And so, um, yeah, and then, like, we say all the time, like, I mean, once you get past, like, two kids, I mean, what's another? Like, we're tired, but, like, I mean, what all this is coming back to, like, we're tired for good. Like, we're tired yeah. because the Lord has been so generous to allow us to have um, these children in our lives. Yeah. I just keep thinking, like, we are raising kids in the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and you know, I think of sports and I think of um, grades and things like that that are important, but they're they're not necessarily the kingdom. Yeah. And I, I mean, my kids, when, when they leave my home, I don't want them to have succeeded in all these things that really aren't eternal. Mm-hmm. And I want them, I want them to have a mindset of, um, of the gospel. And so I heard this quote last week by Ann Voskamp, and it was that our theology is best expressed in our hospitality. And it made me think about just the idea of our homes are where we live and bringing the gospel to people in our homes that mm-hmm. need the gospel. Um, what better way to share Jesus with people than to let them live in our home and, um, and to welcome them through Jesus into our home. And I think our children, our biological kids don't know anything else. And I, I mean, that's an awesome thing. I mean, I don't, Sometimes I think they do say, like, why can't I just have another pair of shoes? We just can't afford it right now, but your shoes are fine. It's just that you want, and trying to explain, like, I understand. Like, I wanted new shoes, too, when I was in middle school. Um, But this trying to bring them back to the kingdom perspective and, you know, that our sacrifices, even things like shoes, 
are bigger than that because mm-hmm. we're doing we're making a choice of how we're living and we're living for the kingdom. And um, I I think just encouraging people like let's remember we're not of this world. <laughs> you know we are made for eternity and life is short. We have one life to live and um, I don't want to just like especially our children grow up so fast mm-hmm. and I don't want to miss the time to be intentional with them about what is really important because they're going to be adults and I want them to be living for the kingdom as adults. Um, and this is my time to pour into them. So I don't want to, I don't, I'm not saying that sports or grades or any of that is a waste, but I do, I do think that something like adoption and foster care, um, reminds them that there's more life than, mm-hmm. than just being happy and getting what I want and doing my thing. Um, it's having this outward focus of just, uh, thinking about people besides ourselves. Yeah, I think I've, I think I said last week that essentially we have to choose like, OK, we want to do all these things, but what are we not willing to let go of? You know, and I think for Christians, like one of those things is very clear in the Bible and one is not, you know, like. And so that's kind of where we're at. So we still yeah, I mean, our kids do sports together and, you know, our kids, I think are good students like those things still matter. Yeah. But it's like we can't say, oh, but we neglected, you know, yeah. the commandments of, of God. Yeah. Um I, I really think, and yeah, that's a tough choice some days, I think. As, as a culture, uh, we are so focused on making our kids well-rounded mm-hmm. <laughs> that we would, as, as Christian parents, oftentimes I think people, we, and we can, we fight this all the time. We have to fight this. It's not like we just had this settled in our hearts and are just, we're so good at this area, but it's like, <laughs> would we be more disappointed if our kids mm-hmm. grew up and weren't successful, mm-hmm. but, or didn't know the Lord and follow him. They were just well-rounded, good people who were successful. Uh, and you can be all those things and for the kingdom too. But yeah. like, I think a lot of times people would be more disappointed if their child didn't grow up and get a master's degree and get this great paying job than they would be if they were just disobedient mm-hmm. to the Lord. And I think we have to, you know, we grades are important and, yeah. you know, engagement in the community is important, but He's get degrees, brother. (laughs) (laughs) But not at the cost of missing the point of life that is the kingdom. And like, I mean, just what you're saying, though, like, I feel like it's really sad when people don't see the choices they were making until their child is in Mm. their 30s or 40s. And... um, not it's too late, but like they realize what they were doing was not in line with the kingdom of God. And so just every day, every sport, every season, every every new thing that comes up, like offering that before the Lord, like, is this what is best for our family? And and what's best for our family isn't necessarily what's right for the Wyatt family. Like there, there is so much grace and freedom to yeah. set your family calendar, but submit it to God. Mm-hmm. That's right. So let's talk about... Uh, things, perceptions that people have of family, and let's just share some, maybe some funny things people have said, or some of those things you're like, cringe, <laughs> like, oh, and what were some of those things, and how were they helpful or not helpful, or just like, seriously, you said that? <laughs> we get all the time, you must have your hands full, and uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. My common responses, but we sure have fun. <laughs> I think in my mind, you know, I don't want my kids to feel like they're a burden. And mm-hmm. that comes across as like, oh my gosh, why do you have so many kids? And like, mm-hmm. we didn't want to do this. It's like we made a choice and these are my, this is my joy and my blessing. And yeah, in that moment at this at Walmart, you know, yeah, I probably do have my hands full. 
Uh, and I'm very aware of that, but <laughs> yeah, there's the internal monologue, <laughs> and there's the external one. Kind of like I, I I struggle with that internal monologue versus external monologue depending on the day. One time I was like, well, just because we're on the right side of history, because most families have been this size, so <laughs> historically speaking, and you're in the minority of people over the course of history. But I did say that one time. <laughs> or do you <laughs> like? Oh, is this your daycare? Or like, yes. did you just bring the whole neighborhood? I'm like, yeah. I, what would be more fun than bringing 10 children to Walmart to buy chicken at 7 o'clock when I haven't made dinner? Like, <laughs> What's funny is we often do have kids that are in our neighborhood with us, too, that are in our So it's just like... Yeah, it's like weird because like we... I think sometimes people just assume, well, they already have a lot of kids, so it's fine just to send their kids there, which we love. We love our yeah. house and our yard being like the center of playing yeah. in the neighborhood because we can keep an eye on everything. But I do think people are like, they've already got six. They're fine with two more. We're just going to, you know, get the house clean. I'm like, you want to come clean our house while we watch your kids? I remember like playing sports when I was a kid and like you wanted to invite that big family over because you're like, at least we'll have enough for a game if they right. show up no matter what. That was very helpful during all, you know, our, our social distancing and quarantine time. Time because every night we had a family game of kickball and I'm like this actually like we can do yeah, this we had plenty of friends <laughs> within our home yep I think too for us it's like because three of our kids uh, have darker skin than us so people want to ask and we I would say like we appreciate it when people ask questions you know that are appropriate <laughs> questions <laughs> but we'll always be like so where are they from you know and I think because they'll usually the assumption is that they're you know, from another country, and we all say, "Well, they were they were born in Florida." And it's like they were like, "Oh, I'm like, sorry, they're not they're like so exotic." I, you know, like from this place that you know, like they're from Florida because there's kids here who you know their their biological like, parents chose adoption photo. and placed them for. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. That's not. Um, so we talked about uh, the community support, family support. So what are some things that have been really helpful for your family uh, in terms of support you've received from uh, community, from church, uh, that have helped your family along the way? Oh, lots of things. Um, there's so many things that come to mind. I think, first of all, is just loving our kids, mm -hmm. um, biological and adopted kids, and just just loving them, getting to know them, um, you know, hanging out with them, just thinking about them. Um, is it just means a lot. I think anytime you have a child and somebody that loves your kid, you're going to like love that person, you know, but especially these kids who just need extra love. Um, that's meant so much. I think uh, one thing that we, one motto we took on a few years ago was that if anybody ever offers any help, we will say yes. <laughs> and that has changed our life, to be honest. Um, I think I didn't realize how, uh, how much help we needed. At that point, we had, I think our youngest two were really little and I was really tired all the time and just needed a lot. And I needed it. I truly needed help. And so we just decided we're going to lay our pride down and we're going to just say whatever anybody offers, we're just going to say yes, no matter what, you know, and it really has changed our life. We have had um, so many people that I feel like we've been able to bring into our lives because we've said yes to mm -hmm. when they offer to help, like just saying, sure, you know, if you people give us so much stuff and I'm so Clothes thankful. Clothes. I mean, it's incredible. We have our, our house, our furniture has been given. Like I was thinking the other day, all of our beds in our house for eight people have been given to us. Um, just because of people thinking and we of us. Them. Yeah, we needed them. And just people thinking of us and saying, Hey, I have this bed, you know, do you happen to need a bed? Yeah, we do. And, um, Hey, can we bring you dinner? That's always a yes. I mean, there's like, you don't even have to ask. You <laughs> no to show hesitation. Up, but, <laughs> um, 
but even things like someone called me the other day and said, hey, I have a Kindle. I just don't need any more. Would one of your kids want it? And my daughter had just found her old Kindle and it was broken and she was brokenhearted about it. And it was just like the Lord, I just feel like the Lord does things like that mm-hmm. when we are obedient. I mean, I just, I just can't tell you how many times he has provided and shown up over and over and over on things like that that are not a huge deal, but they are a big deal because they remind us that he's with us and he loves us and he loves our kids. I mean, this, this was just a tiny thing, but it was a really, really big deal to her. Um, so I would, I would say just, if you have something on your heart that you could give, just offer it, you know, um, whatever that might be. Yeah. So practically like, um, on the foster care side again, like we might get a call at 9am and at 1pm, like this kid is coming into our home. And so, it is so beautiful when we get a new placement. It's always just been like, here's what, like, <laughs> here's diapers, here's wipes, here's sippy cups, passies for older kids, underwear, toothbrushes. I mean, just like these practical things that you need today. And I don't really have time to run to Walmart and and procure, procure, procure these things. Nice word. Um, nice word, yeah. <laughs> um, and then again, dinner, helping with like, sometimes because we do let our kids do sports, we have to be in three or four different places at once. And there's only two of us, like any time, especially an older friend is like, hey, can I just help your one kid? Like, yes, please, please, please. Um, and I know sometimes like I am less resistant to help. Like I don't want it. I don't want to seem overwhelmed, even if I am overwhelmed. And um, one of my favorite memories of this church that, like, I want a hundred more of is I walked into a town hall lunch one day with, I think I had seven kids with me that day. And James was busy because it's part of his job. And I need to get in this giant line and <laughs> get food for all these people and one of our pastors on staff and a deacon were like sit down like we're bringing you food and like they went and got everything and got us drinks and it seems so small like but yes. when we're in an event an event <laughs> with all these children and someone comes up and is like hey can I sit with the kids while you get muffins or can I get your drinks for you like please. Like it's so helpful and it it doesn't really require a lot. And then the last thing I would say is um, sometimes we have older children in our home and they do need a lot of extra, like not because they've done anything wrong or there's anything weird about them. Like they just need extra love. And we try to show them Jesus every day and we fail them every day. And like to a lot of times people will say like, I love that kid so much. Like I would love to have them over for dinner or I would love to take them and show them this kayak or something like, mm-hmm. please do like we <laughs> yeah. are enough. We not like, That's right. not like I can't meet this child's fundamental needs in life, but like, I'm not enough. Like I need help. Um, yeah. And the church is like where I want it. Like I yeah. want people who, if you are showing them that kayak and they have a question about the ocean, like you can point them back to Jesus. Like that's really what I want. And so, and not only that, but then like that does, I mean, not that we need like breaks or whatever, but like it does give us just some breathing room when you are able, because I know that that child is getting like special love and and good things. And so I don't have to be worried. So Mm -hmm. they're not like, I know sometimes people will be like too like, um, 
but there's all these rules about like I can't like talk to your foster kid like Yes, you can. Yeah. They're, they're a child. They're a human. Like, there's not some weird bubble around them. Like, they're just, they need you. Yeah. <laughs> they need you, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for us, too, like, you you can't see God meet needs until you humble yourself and admit you're, you need, <laughs> you yeah. know, and I think that's been our story. <laughs> and I think, you know, with our adoptions, too, there was the financial mm-hmm. aspect of, of mm-hmm. private adoption and having to to pay for this and to think like we just were surrounded by people who helped us. We did so many yard sales and, <laughs> you know, who just were like, what do you need? How do you need it? And then how God, you know, we had a, a, a friend who just one day, we didn't even put it out there that we had a need, um, that we had some fees due. And um, somebody just literally knocked on our door with an envelope of cash and said, this is, God told me to do this. <laughs> you know, and I think like, it's really humbling to be on the receiving end of that, but also to think like, this is how God designs the body of Christ to work. Like yeah. he, he puts in other people's hearts with, you know, different giftings and burdens. And it's like, if I'm not willing, it's weird to say this, but like, if we aren't willing to humble ourselves and ask for help, then we're also denying someone the opportunity to exercise what God has created them to do. And it's really weird to say that when sometimes you're on the receiving end of that help, but it's really, God's like, this is what I designed it for. <laughs> this yeah. is the body of Christ at work. And that's, it really, like you said, Christy, it's, uh, Christy Ross, uh, <laughs> it's, we want that, that should come from the church and it should just be so natural for the church to say, we're going to love these kids. And you think about kids, uh, who are in foster care and in really any situation there, there's usually trauma involved. And so they've been removed. And so from a situation and now they're placed into this different family dynamic and we don't just want to model for them what a, a healthy home looks like, but this is what healthy community looks like. This is what it's like to have an aunt and uncle or mm-hmm. grandparents who, you know, whether they're, you know, your, your parents, grandparents or grandparents from the church or, you know, this is what it feels like to have people who love you yeah. and who care about you. And uh, we, the church is, the church by God's design is, is set up for that. If we walk in that faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, um, do you guys have anything else you want to add? Um, I heard this verse a few weeks ago and I just really felt like this was like, when I thought about this podcast, this is what I really wanted to share. Um, because it's, it's Isaiah 66, 2. It says, but this is the one to whom I will look. This is God talking to us. This is the one who, to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. And I think um, the Bible is really clear about taking care of, of these kids. And um, I want to be somebody that trembles at the word of God. And, you know, I think that's how I want our church to be, that if the Bible says it, we're going to do it. Um, and I think the... We make so many excuses, um, but I think as we do what the Lord says, humble ourselves, be contrite in spirit, that means that we are um, desiring atonement. Like, we know we need a Savior, and that's that's us. Like, we get it. We understand that we desperately need Jesus, and mm-hmm. and I'm going to tremble at His Word because He's given it to me. Not that I'm, like, afraid to not obey it, but just it's holy, and it's His his commands for abundant life. This is this is how I want to live. I want my life to be full of him, full of seeing him work and move. And um, on the way here, I was just, I, f- I felt like the Holy Spirit really was just like, just the question to end with. It's like, are you in a place where you would know if the Holy Spirit is asking you to take a step of faith? 
Um, think about, are you in the Word? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you surrendered? Are you, you know, I think, and it's a question for me too, of just like, am I living in a place where when God says do something, I'm like, okay, I'm on it. <laughs> Let's be a church that mm-hmm. listens. And when God is saying do this, we just do it because we tremble at his word and we know what he's done for us. Um, I think that's the, that's my heart for, for myself and for us and for just as a church that we would just do what God says to do because that's that's the life we want to live. We want that abundant life, and um, that's where we meet Him. That's where we find Him. That's where He shows up is when we take steps of faith and trust Him. My heart has been so broken, like, but I realized, like, I didn't know pain, and, like, these kids are experiencing pain, some of them, like, from the moment they're born, like, this, this separation of a fallen world, and, like, the Lord has just healed me and grown me, like, beyond what I, just yeah. just do it like just yeah. I yeah. <laughs> it's so good like it's it's so hard um all the things we're saying like it's hard but like it's so good yes. if you love the Lord like what he's gonna do yeah. when you say yes to fostering or adopting or partnering with those yes who are on the front lines uh, this is a great note to end on what you guys are saying. And I think we sing a song here at church that's not James' favorite song. <laughs> but the line says... It's because it ain't a hymn. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it says, if more of you means less of me, take everything. And yeah. we sang that recently and someone said, but do we really mean that? And it's like, but we should. <laughs> you know, we really should. And, you know, not that it means like, okay, Lord, just obliterate my life, but... It means you can. And if there's anything in me that is not of you, take it. And I surrender everything. And that means like I surrender my family. I surrender my idea of ideal. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, you know, we, we just have this ideal life in our minds that if things would go a certain way. And, and that's a daily dying to self and say, God, like if what you have for me is better than what I'm dreaming, which it is always, (laughs) then take, take it, take everything. We want to thank you guys for listening, for watching, for tuning in to this episode of Boggy Talk. If you have questions, uh, maybe how to follow up with steps, the next step of what can I do? What should I do? uh, Please send us a message or email justin at churchonbayshore.org or uh, you can uh, send us a message. We would love to talk to you, pray with you, help you get connected, point you in the right direction, no matter what you're feeling, uh, Holy Spirit uh, leading you to do. We want to be a part of that. Thanks for listening. We look forward to uh, you joining us uh, next week as we uh, uh, officially are into the holiday season and we'll be having some holiday themed talks. So yeah, so be sure (laughs) we're figuring out what those are. (laughs) So if you got an idea, (laughs) let us know. Holiday themed talks. Yes, yes, that's, we talked about that in vague terms. So (laughs) we won't be vague when you listen. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you soon.